Hey, this is Pastor Rick. I have a message for you today that is part of a new series, and the key word is sustainable. There's the word. Is your life right now on a sustainable path? Are you right now living a life that is sustainable? Are you about to mess up everything because you're doing stuff that doesn't last? This message, this series is helpful. Buckle up. Join me on demand. It's going to be powerful. It's going to help you, I promise. I'll come back and pray for you at the end. Stay with me today, folks. This is a question we all need to answer. Stay right there. Well, glad you're back and happy Mother's Day. Listen, this is Mother's Day here, uh, and I am thrilled that you have come to join us today, and I want to share a word with you. And in the middle of the sermon today, I'm going to share some of my mom's principles my mom was a real big faithful person when it came to making sure that what I did could last. Her message, her sermon, her, her words to me uh, were always the same. Make sure you don't live in the circle. Make sure that what you do can last and that your money lasts and that you last and that you rest yourself. And she had all these lessons that she taught me that helped sustain me all these years. Today's message is about that word, sustainability, sustainable. That's the question. Is right now in your life, I want you to think about this one big question. And I, I wrote it down. I want to make sure you, you, I get it right. Is what you're currently doing sustainable? That's the question for today. Is what you're currently doing sustainable? Uh, whenever I would um, get off, as I said, my mom would always say, hey, hey, you, sir, can't keep doing that. And she'd give me this long list of why. And she was tremendously good at, at helping me understand that God's goal in my life was to give me something sustainable. There's a verse in Genesis that I love. It's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 30 through 31. It describes after God made the world and after everything was finished, he made sure that what he did was good. Here's what it said. Then God saw everything he had made and indeed it was very good. It's very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. In creation, that was God's goal. I want to give you something that's sustainable, something that can endure, something that's not going to just pass away, and something that can, can protect you in the long run. That's a, that's a, that's a job of a parent. That's a job of, of a leader. That's a job of a boss. They want to create things that last. The question is, the road you're on right now, is this sustainable? Look at your pace. Look at, your, look at how you feel physically. Look at what's happening in the mirror. Look in the mirror and say, come on now. Is this sustainable? Is this, is, are these choices sustainable? I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to get you to be honest for a minute. A lot of what we do is not sustainable. I think a lot of what we do in church is not sustainable. The schedule, the pressures, the hours, the demands, even especially if you're in a growing church where a lot of things are happening, and even in a business sometimes, you're working your staff. I love the book, Dying for a Paycheck. Love the book, love the book, love the book. Because it talks to me as a boss about how I treat people that work for me. A lot of times the, the work schedule is not sustainable. A lot of times the salaries are not sustainable. The benefits are not sustainable. I have to think about what I'm doing. So when you look at your life, that's what I want you to think about today. And in this series, we're gonna, we have four areas we're going to cover. Four things that are not sustainable. Now I'm going to say this a couple of three different ways. Uh, I'm going to say, just state it, then I'm going to put it in question form and the goal is to kind of in this sermon to get you kind of ready for the series okay and and we'll talk about the first one 
today in, in more detail of the four, but I want you to just kind of take note of these four things. Number one, these are four things that are not, keyword, not sustainable. Number one, growth without decline. Growth is a wonderful thing, but with it comes decline. I'll show you that in a minute in Ecclesiastes chapter three. There's a time and a season for everything. Also, I believe that economic success, that's great, but with that comes a decline. That, that's, it's not sustainable to assume I'm going to always have success and economic success and no declines. If you invest in the stock market, you know that's not true. There's ups and there are down days. Thirdly, we're going to talk about hope deferred is not sustainable. If a person has great hope and then they don't get what they want, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says, hope deferred is not sustainable. People get sick. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. They married you to have a faithful husband, be a faithful wife or whatever, and you're not, their hope is dying. It's not, that's why the relationship is not sustainable. If you want it to be sustainable, you've got to change that. Fourthly, we're going to talk about lies. They're not sustainable. Lies that hide the truth are not sustainable. Eventually, it comes out. Luke chapter 8, verse 17 says that. And I'll show you that in more detail. Whatever's hidden or concealed is going to come out in the open. And so those are the four things we'll talk about in this series. And I want to say, I hear in my head my mom, who raised me, talking about all four of those things. Constantly saying to me, okay, Temple, I need you to make sure you understand. You, if you want a sustainable life, you've got to do what's right. And you've got to see life right, especially the one online. Oh, my goodness. If you lie, you'll steal. Man, she was big on that. And so on, on a day like today, I find myself checking my heart, saying, Ricky Temple, are you on a sustainable path? And I want to pose that to you, if I can, in a series of thoughts and questions. Open your Bible, if you would, please, and follow me along here for a minute. And I want to just talk, first of all, about the first part of that series I promised you, the ups and the downs. Remember I said, if you're going to live a sustainable life, you have to learn how to deal with the growth in the, the, the time of blessing and the time of decline. That's part of life. Growth without decline is not sustainable. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 gives a long list in verse 1 of about 14 things that are profoundly impressive. And in this text, he says, basically, there's a time for birth and there's a time for death. There's a time to plant. And there's a time to uproot. All this is in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There's a time to kill. There's a time to heal. There's a time to tear down and then to build. He said there's a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. A time to scatter. A time to gather. Embrace and stop embracing. Search and give up. Keep and throw away. Tear and mend. Silence and speak. There's a time to be silent. A time to speak. A time for loving. A time for hating. A time for war. A time for peace. All 14 of these things describe a truth. There, is, there are times when you have good growth, good results, and there are times when it's the opposite. And learning how to balance both, times when there is great birth, a new baby, but also when someone dies or passes away. I have to learn how to manage both planting and uprooting. I have to learn how to manage moments when something should stay alive and be vibrant, a business plan, but then there's a time when that needs to stop. There are moments when I have to deal with growth and decline. 
So the problem with most of us is we don't like the decline part. Um, we, don't, we don't have an ability to balance those seasons. We, 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 we have a real misunderstanding about how God works. It's almost like God's supposed to just make sure life is just going forward. It's just going forward and never, ever, 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 ever declining, ever. And somehow we assume that that's okay, that there is a, a real issue with facing the fact that this is over now. Time to be born and time to die. I want to celebrate my life, but also want to celebrate my death. I want to celebrate the success of this church, but also want to success, celebrate the time when I pass over to somebody else. There's something about learning how to embrace both of those times. John the Baptist said this way, I must decrease and he must increase. Can you celebrate both of those? Now, there's an emotional problem with that. There's a lot of challenges with growth. You get to get caught up in it. You feel really good about it. And Moses was one of those guys who got caught up in it. He was really doing great. He just come out of Egypt, Exodus chapter 18. He's feeling great. He's come through the Red Sea. He's got all these great, great, great things happening. But he wasn't doing good at managing the emotional side of, of it or the practical side of it. Moses struggled with his leadership. He struggled in life like a lot of us do. We do well on the start, but not well on the, on the other side. And so when you get to Exodus chapter 18, it, there's this conversation that I want to just paraphrase because it's too much to read. And it's a conversation between Moses and Jethro. And in this conversation, Jethro, who's his father-in-law, is trying to help balance his life because he's, he's doing well. He's on a great incline. He's got millions of people following him. He has come out of Egypt. He's now free. I mean, hey, this is great, right? New beginning. He had a bad you know, history in his life. And now it's, it's like a, a brand new start, you know, brand new table, cleared everything off, and, but he's struggling. And he's making a bad decision. So in chapter 18, verse 13, there's this, let me start reading just a little bit for you. Then I'll, I'll paraphrase the rest. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And this is after he'd gotten back, crossed the Red Sea, gotten to a place now where he's now leading the people to the new promised land. He's going to, at least that's his goal. He's not going to quite make it, but he's, his goal is to get them ready to go to the promised land. So he starts to sit down and they have issues. You know, the people have issues. They have arguments, disagreements. And so he sits down and they, they, the Bible says they stood before him from morning till evening. And so Moses is sitting there every day talking to people about their problems, you know, making, you know, decisions about, you know, disputes about different things people had arguments about. He was like the judge, right? And so all of a sudden, the Bible says that Jethro, his father-in-law, saw him and said, man, this isn't good. He says, what you're doing is bad for you and for the people. Look at verse 14. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit at, at, as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? This is bad. Bad for you, man. This is horrible. And Moses says, well, listen, I do it because they need me. They need me. They need to hear from me. I mean, I, you know, I, I help them resolve issues. And he says, but this is not the way to do it. What you need to do, Moses, is you need to let somebody help you. And so he gives Moses this plan, basically that says, I want you to let people help you. I want you to not do it all by yourself. And Moses listens in verse 24. The Bible says Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He divided them in a small group, appointed leaders, got people who could help him. 
and his life changed. That's a guy who steps back. In times of great growth, you can be blinded. In times of great success and excitement, you can be blinded. If you don't know how to stop and decline and, and back up, so you, you have to learn how to do both. You, ha you have to learn how to listen. I love the fact that this is a guy who listened. If you have great success like Moses did and nobody can talk to you, you have great success, but you don't want to decline. You don't want to back up. You want to still be on the forefront. You can't have great success without learning how to back up and decline. I love it. There's a time for you to lead and there's a time, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, for you to follow. There's a time for you to teach and there's a time for you to learn. This is a time for him to learn. He's modeling it right now. I think this is profound. I think it's a profound example of how we need to live our lives. Some of you are really good. You're very successful, but you won't back up at all. There is no declining for you. There is no, there's no stepping back. There's only charge forward and lead and know everything. And that's not good. Second example of this would be a guy named Elijah with a J. I love this guy's story. First Kings chapter 19 is a story about Elijah who has this incredible, passionate love for God. And he is having great success. But with great success, there comes great decline. There are moments when you have to back up. There are moments you have to learn about yourself. There are moments there, there are blind spots, blind spots, let me get it out, that you can't see. Elijah had to manage, again, the emotional challenges of his, of his declining comfort. He had a moment when he was sailing, preaching, prophesying. Everybody was going, here comes Elijah with the J, because there's an Elisha, that's why I keep saying that. Elijah with the J in his name was amazing. Great story. Eight miracles, this is phenomenal. This guy was some kind of, I mean, preacher. And God helped him prop properly place his emotional challenges after he has this incredible encounter with God. Because what happens in chapter 19, verse 1, is an, a phenomenal story. Let me read it for you. Chapter 19, of first, second, first Kings chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Pause. Elijah the prophet had a confrontation with the king called Ahab. And basically they had this in chapter 18. You can read it on your own. In 1 Kings 18, they had this big confrontation, right? And the confrontation was about whose God is really God. Well, in the end, Elijah's God is God. Fire falls from heaven. It's a great story, 1 Kings 18. And then uh, the Bible says that the prophets of Ahab, who were all false prophets, were killed. So, so Ahab goes home, says, babe, I had a bad day. And she says, what happened? He said, well, Elijah, you know, called down fire from heaven, killed all the prophets. and It was horrible. And so Jezebel sends an email, <laughs> okay, to, to, to Elijah and said, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. Look at chapter 19. She was the one, chapter 19, verse 2. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Verse three, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. He ran, he ran, he ran, he ran and he hid. And so here he is. He's in this incredible place. Now watch this. He's okay when he's up prophesying. He's doing really well. But watch how badly he does when things get tough. Look at verse 
verse 3. Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3, was afraid, ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servants there, verse 4, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and here's what he prayed. He prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. Now, what's powerful is I want you to see just one principle here. He did good on the good days. Things were up, but didn't do good when things got tough. Sometimes knowing how to balance both success and decline and challenge and difficulty you do well when the kids were born, but not when they're teenagers. You do well when you have certain seasons, but you're not good when it's tough. Man, Elijah loses all hope. And the Lord said to him, look at verse, verse, verse 9. The Lord came to him and said this word, what, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? He has one question for him. Okay, you were amazing as long as the business was thriving and you were graduating and you're in love and life was great. But when there's a decline, Jezebel threatened you. So now all of a sudden the world is falling apart for you. Here's what God told him in verse 19. Verse 9, Lord, where the Lord came and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. Like they've rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. Okay, that's an interesting perspective. So you're fine as long as you're on the top of the game. But when things get difficult, now you think you're all alone, God's abandoned you, and you got this whole scenario in your mind, and you can relate to that, right? But now because there's some decline, the challenge, the job market's a little slow, things aren't working quite like you wanted it, things are a challenge, someone threatened you, something happened, something happened and didn't go right. So now you're worried. Elijah, watch this now rejects, repeats his concern again in verse 13 to the Lord. And, and it's just amazing. It's a great story to read. You know, God lets him sleep, gives him some bread to eat and all this good stuff. But at the end of the day, there's a lesson here. He only did well when things were up. Are you like that? Here's what God told him in 1 Kings 19, verse 17. First, he says to him, go back to work, please. Get back to work, okay? First of all, you're wrong. Go back to work. Um, uh, in verse Verse uh, 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus where you can there get back to work and anoint this guy as king. I want you to, I want you to go back to work. I mean, that's, that's God's first response to him. Go, what, for, two, three things. What are you doing here? He said that to him in verse uh, 9. Then he says, verse 15, go back to work. Okay. Then he says to him, I love this. In verse 17, I have 7,000 prophets who have not bowed their knees to Baal. Verse, verse, seven, verse 18, yet I have reserved 7,000 to Israel, all who's never bowed their knees to Baal. Look, uh, I got other people. I'm with you when you're up. I'm with you when you're down. I am, I, I am not lost and I am not afraid. Here's the bottom line message. You, my friend, need to calm down because he's God when you're up and he's God when you're down. He is God when people are with you and he's God when nobody's with you. 
He is still God. And he's got faithful people. He don't have to use Ricky Temple. He don't have to use you. He got other people. He's got somebody who has not bowed their knees to Baal. You're not by yourself. Mama, you're not by yourself. Mama, you're not alone. Daddy, you're not by yourself. God is with you. And on this day, I want you to think about that. I want you to hear me. I want to make some closing observations, some personal observations. That I that that challenges that I've had when things were up. I struggle with the administrative demands sometimes. I struggle with prosperity guilt. I struggle with being different at times, even though God's blessed me. I personally struggled. All of us do. Even when things are going well, we find something to struggle with. Struggle because we're prospering. Struggle because it's too much administration, too much organization. Struggling because times are different now. I've learned that decline is just a part of the journey. Personally, I've learned that. Decline painfully stretched my vision and forced me to reassess change. Painfully. Decline painfully forced me to fight alone and ignore the crowd. I had to learn to fight alone. Like Elijah, look, dude, don't, don't stay here. What are you doing here, Elijah? You can't, you can't stay here. There are times of decline. There are times when... When, when things are not going to be perfect. But God will always have a Jethro if you're open to step in and show you how to do it a better way. If your mind is open, if your heart's open. Religious people like the Pharisees have, a, have trouble changing and adapting to decline. They expect to grow forever. They hated Jesus because he was growing in influence and they were decreasing. Some people just don't do well with change. They got to always be up. I tell myself, Temple, this is a declining day. This is a season when you're going to have a few challenges. I, I believe there's something powerful when you, when you hear the balance in Jesus' life. John 7, 47, 5 says this. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does the guards replied you mean he has deceived you also the pharisees retorted no 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 we just know there's something about this guy there's something about what he's what he's done and what he said there's something here and what they're doing in that moment is they're backing up they're backing up saying we thought this but now we see that there are times in life when you're growing and you're going and you're strong and you're committed and then you see something and you have to decline, back up. You have to back up like Moses did with, with, with Jethro. You have to back up like these guys did when Jesus was speaking. They came to arrest him, but in John 7, they said, no, we couldn't because we never heard anybody speak like him. Back up, back up. There's a new way. There's a new thing we're seeing. There's a new way. I grow sometimes during these great seasons. John 3.30, when John said it best, he said, he must increase and I must decrease. For some of you to really get to God's best in your life, you're not going to get there when you're up. You're going to get there in the declining moments. It's in that humbling moment when you see something you didn't see before. Believe it or not, for me, it was when I was up 
that I was the blindest. But it's when those moments of humility came that I became the strongest. I have to learn how to balance being up and I have to learn how to be humble in the, those declining moments. And for some of you, that's where you are. Right now, you're in a moment when the business isn't, isn't as great. You're a little bit confused about some things. You're not as happy about your marriage. You're not as happy with your children. It's a declining season. So you remember, it's not sustainable to always increase without declining moments. There's going to be moments when this is not feeling good. And in those moments, I've got to be okay. Let me pray for you. Let me ask God to help you. Father, help us today to manage the moments when we must decrease, like John said in John 3 and 30. We must decrease that he must increase. Touch our hearts. Touch our mind. Help us to embrace the truth of your word. Help us to not be afraid of declining moments, moments when it's not always booming. Sometimes we're on level five and we're going to be here for a few years because we got to master level five. We don't have to worry about level six right now. Just master the marriage, master parenting, master the children. And I pray that what we've talked about today will let people be at peace with the level they're on as they climb slowly to the next level. And then as they climb, they're going to decline. And then they're going to climb and decline. And that's part of the growth process. And we give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I got more to talk about next time. Let me tell you, you don't want to miss it. I'm going to talk to you about the truth about economic success and decline. For some of you, you like going up, but you don't know how to deal with going down. I'm going to show you how to balance both of those next time. I pray for you that you would start your walk with God today. If you've never, ever given your life to Christ, let this be the beginning journey. That would be a great increase in your life. Father, let them leave today and may they come to know you as Savior. May this be the transforming moment that will change their life forever. I'll see you next time. God bless you. Maybe I'll see you out here in person. Hope I get to. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Well, that was a lot. Now, that was a lot to process. Moses, Elijah, all those folks living in ways that God had to intervene to say this is not sustainable. Ways that God had to push them in and help them see, man, my life cannot go in this direction and be sustainable. You know, there's a lot of things that you need to look at and I need to look at. And my list that I gave you of personal things I've looked at in my life, I hope it helps you take an honest look at yourself. So let me pray for you. Father, today, help us take that honest look so that we can live a sustainable life, a life that can reach its goals and destinations because we were able to do things that made sense. Touch our hearts, touch our mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with me today. I've got more to talk about next time. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.